Hello and welcome to the Hey You Got This podcast. My name is Lizzie. And my name is Stacia. And we are your hosts in all things wellness weirdness. And today we are going to be talking about the messages we wish we had heard when we were younger, the things that we would have wanted to tell our younger self now as we are both in our 30s and have completed three decades of life. So a culmination of some of the life lessons we have learned and the wisdom and the knowledge we wish we could have had, but that we're glad that we have found now. (laughs) Thank goodness. (laughs) And knowing that this is a lifelong journey of discovery, but just want to go over some of the things that we've learned on our time here on Earth. Yeah, and I think it's kind of fun, too, because we knew each other as teenagers. Yes, we were little babies together. <laughs> yeah, so this will be this will be super fun. I'm excited about it. We have some fun questions. All right, where do you want to start, Stacia? I'm just curious. So, Lizzie, like, what was it? <laughs> oh, I see how it is. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to flip it on me. <laughs> what was it? I mean, like, let's just paint a picture of what, what it was like growing up. We both grew up on this small island, so... Just what it was like being your younger self. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's so funny. I was thinking about this uh, in preparation of this and just like reflecting. But so Stacia and I grew up on an island and we were talking about this right before we started recording. But the crazy thing about growing up on an island, I mean, there's so many things but you know, like, St- I don't remember meeting Stacia. I've just like always known Stacia. <laughs> you know, that's kind of what small town life is like. So I think there was like, you know, that part of it. Stacia and I also like grew up with social media. So we can remember a time like without social media and without the internet. So I don't know how you remember it, Stacia, but I, f- I feel like there's a lot of things that once I got to college, I was like, whoa, there's this whole world out here. Like you just get very uh, accustomed to small town life. So I felt like, you know, growing up, it was great. It was, we had a very idyllic like locale, I feel like to grow up, but you know, that just being in a small town, being on an island, especially before the internet was super huge. I definitely feel like there was a lot of things that like, I just didn't know. We were sheltered. We were very sheltered, but in our, in like a weird liberal way, you know, like a very (laughs) alternative liberal way to the point where I just assumed like the whole world was like that. (laughs) And then I went to college in Eastern Washington. That would be different. That would be a wake up call. Yeah, it was definitely very different, but yeah, that's like, I guess to start sort of how I I remember it. What about you? No, I agree. And I would just say like, when I went off to college, I went to Bellingham, which is basically like a larger version of Ashland, I feel like. (laughs) I mean, you have like Fairhaven, which was basically the hippie college within Western. But anyways, I would say that I'm grateful for where we grew up. And I appreciate it a lot more now looking back on it, Mm -hmm. that we had the opportunities that we did while living here. Like we had access to a good education while being a more rural town, et cetera. And uh, it definitely was super unique. I mean, I remember like when you get your (laughs) driver's license and you weren't allowed to drive with passengers in your car up until six months after you had it. Yeah. And I remember driving through town and I saw my mom walking and I was like, duck, Lily, duck. And she like has to hide. The exact (laughs) same thing happened. Only my mom caught me. Yeah, and we had to do all these things. 
people would call our parents and tell on us if they saw us doing something Ugh, stupid. Yeah. I saw Lizzie driving on this street. Yeah, totally. And so there was this really interesting small town community where everybody knows everybody and therefore everybody knows everybody's business. But I would say that I am grateful that it was more liberal and open because I think, I mean, I got connected to a lot of really wonderful people that we grew up with and people that I'm still friends with to this day. Lizzie, for example. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I always have felt like very lucky because I know when I went to college, a lot of times I saw that like my friends that I made didn't necessarily have as close of bonds with like the people that they grew up with. And so I always felt like we were special in that those relationships that we were able to cultivate growing up here. But I also remember going to college and my friends being like, okay, we're going to Applebee's. And I was like, oh, cool. Never been. And they're like, wait, what? And I'm like, yes, yeah. uh, I don't know. Like I've never been to a chain when Subway came to Vashon. It was like people rioted in Big the streets <laughs> because yeah. Yeah. they couldn't <laughs> imagine having a chain on Vashon. And so I just... Oh my God. We had a very unique uh, upbringing, but I, for the most part, am very grateful for it looking back on it. Yeah. And there's kind of a shared experience, especially back then, of being like, you know, we've all grown up together. We know everything about each other. And we're, you're literally stuck on an island <laughs> and like have to be like, I think about station of the parties that we would have or like the things we would do for fun. Like we were so creative. You had because to be. <laughs> there was not a lot to do. And I was talking to a mom actually of one of the girls that I coach and she was, we were, she grew up in a small town too. And we were talking about like these city kids and also just with the internet right now, like they won't have that same experience of being like, like, hey, do you want to just go drive for like five hours in the woods listening to music? Because like, what else are we going to do? I also, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. So the older I get, the more I feel like, you know, growing up in a small town was really great, but also that you kind of get like cornered into being this one version of yourself that maybe everyone is used to seeing. It's really, I feel like in a small town and just growing up, it's really hard to like kind of grow into a different identity. Did you have any like thoughts or experiences with that? Well, I would say something that I've been thinking about and it relates to this is that yes, 100%, but I also think it was kind of just culturally what our generation was raised to like be more conformist in the sense that like, mm -hmm. There wasn't as much openness about different identities. Yeah, that's so true. Which I feel like when I look at Gen Z, I see a lot of people that feel like they have more freedom of expression. And I know like growing up, it did in general just feel like we all had our roles to play. And it has been fun leaving high school and seeing where everybody ends up because you're like, oh, like that's who you actually wanted to be. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so I definitely feel like that was the general trend. And I know like for me, I feel like I've done like a complete 180 from who I was 100%. in yeah. high school. And like so much has changed. And I remember... When I started working at uh, my first job, which was at a consignment store, I remember the woman was like, oh my gosh, you are so quiet because I was, I got the job because of my sister who is the opposite of quiet. <laughs> and so when she met me, she was like, oh my goodness. And then as even within those four years of being in high school, like by the time I finished working there. She was like, I've just seen you grow up so much. And so I know that like, uh, I very slowly but surely started to find my voice. But I look back on high school and like, I was uh, just, it was painful. <laughs> 
I wish there was a lot of things that I wish I would have known back then that would have made my struggle and suffering a lot less terrible and more bearable. (laughs) Yeah. And I think everybody feels like that about high school for sure. I mean, most people, but it is so fun to reflect on. (laughs) Yeah. So what about you? Do you feel like uh, there was space to express yourself or you've become someone a lot different than who you were in high school? Mm. (laughs) Um, I feel like in a lot of ways, my personality is the same uh, as it was in high school, but I do feel like I got very and I did this to myself this isn't like everybody else doing but I got very like stuck in like the I'm gonna be like the very good girl and be very like Americana like I mean station I were cheerleaders I was student body president I was homecoming queen like I was very much and I don't say that to be like look at all of my accomplishments but it was like I totally like forced myself to be like, I must be the best at everything. And I must be like this person. And now when I look back, I'm like, girl, chill the hell out. Like, I remember I went to college and everyone was like, are you going to be in student government? And I was like, I just need a little break (laughs) right now. (laughs) But so, yeah, I think like in a lot of ways, my personality was the same. I've always been someone that likes to do a lot of stuff, but it's so funny. So I I always was very like drawn to sports and athletics, but whenever I would try to do something, people would be like, Lizzie, you can't do sports. You're a cheerleader. And so I was very excited to like shed that identity when high school ended and to like, I feel like I'm more my true self as like an athletic minded person, not like a super girly person, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I definitely still really appreciate, I still remember all of our cheers. Yes. Like, like those are never going to leave our brain. (laughs) I was just going to say, do you, I I just had this weird thing come to me. So were you in, you were in Chicago, weren't you? The play? Yes, I was. You were a cell block tango person? Uh, No, I was a backup dancer. (laughs) Oh, okay. Damn it, I really, I was like, I tried to be in the cell block tango. Uh, I didn't make the cut either. No, I didn't Okay, cool. I was like, man, Lizzie really did have it all. Like, no. she was homecoming queen, like, all these things. And she was in the cell block tango, I mean, we which was, like, in the coveted. Play, which, like, I, it's so funny. I was trying to explain this to Dan, but, like, at Station Eyes High School, being in theater production, is that what the class was called? Being in the plays was, like, the cool thing to do. It was, like, highly competitive, which yes. is, like, every other high school, I feel like it's not like that. But it was, like, a really big deal to be in the plays at our high school, which now I think is so funny. But yeah, I was in Chicago. And then were you in Fiddler on the Roof? Nope. Chicago was the only one I did. (laughs) I was in Fiddler on the Roof too. And I still get those songs stuck in my head. (laughs) Like so cheesy. But yeah, no, I feel like in a lot of ways, like, and I feel like, you know, I always thought of you in high school as being like very academic, very intelligent. And, you know, like you're very much still that person. But it is funny, the like identities that we glom onto that then as you get older, you're like, bye. (laughs) (laughs) Yeesh. I've said goodbye to a lot of (laughs) that I'm glad to get rid of. Totally. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. So, I mean... What do you think your younger self would think of like Stacia today, podcasting, personal training, Stacia? Like if you were to go back in time and be like, hey, guess what? Like, what do you think she would think? (laughs) I would say that my younger self would have had 
no idea that this is where I would have ended up. I think that through becoming who I've been working on becoming and leaving behind all the parts of my identity that aren't like true to me, there's also been this realization that all the things that I thought I would have had at this point, I don't necessarily have, but that doesn't necessarily mean that my life isn't meaningful or amazing or all these other good things. Because I know very honestly, my whole goal from as long as I can remember was I need to find somebody to love me. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I, it was my like obsession. I was obsessed with boys from a very young age. Cause I was like, this is where I'm going to find my worth. This is where I'm going to find love. This is where I'm going to find validation. So I know for like a younger me, she would not have believed that, Hey, you're actually going to find this really awesome thing called self-love and you're going to learn to take care of yourself. And while having another person love you is going to be a really beautiful, amazing part of life. That isn't going to be the only thing you need to find and work on. So I think that that would have been like really shocking to the younger boy crazy Stacia that was like, just must find love. And uh, so I would like to think, I know I look back and I'm really proud of how far I've come. So I think that uh, my younger self would hopefully be very proud of me as well. I'm sure she would. (laughs) And so it just it has been uh, quite the journey and reflecting on it all and seeing how far I have come. It really does seem like this night and day difference to like shed the like tendencies like you said in high school like wanting to be the good girl and I'm doing all these things to show that I am worthy versus like accepting that we are worthy as we are and that we don't need to perform and uh, show everybody and prove it every day that we know that we are enough within ourselves. And uh, I think that is part of the greatest part of uh, working on like self-discovery and personal development is getting to find those things for yourself and then expanding it to how it can be connected to others and giving back and contributing and helping others. So I think that I still have a long ways to go, but mm, don't I'm we all. <laughs> grateful that I have made it this far and a little Stacia would be proud. Little Stacia <laughs> would be so proud. What do you think little Stacia would think about you being a personal trainer? Because I know you've mentioned that you didn't like to exercise. Oh my God. Yeah. That is definitely something that I never in a million years would have ever seen (laughs) happening for me. (laughs) My whole life was a struggle between, okay, workout and diet, workout and diet. And I hated it all and I never did it. And I think it was one of those things when it comes to diet culture and why I now fight against it is because it really does hammer in these negative connotations with things that actually can be really empowering and awesome. And so I think for me, when I like thought of fitness, I thought of it as this chore and like this terrible thing. So I never stuck with it because it was always this fruitless endeavor and losing weight and it just fucking sucked. So like, of course I hated it. And so then once I found how to like approach it from a more like empowered, oh my gosh, I really like how this makes me feel. Yeah. It was able to stick. And then I like wanted to spread that message. And I mean, I would say, honestly, part of my personality is to like really just not engage in life and like fly under the radar and not try things because it's just way too scary. So when I worked on becoming a personal trainer, I think it was actually a really important part of my journey because I had been a server up until that point. I was 26, 27, and I was still working at a restaurant because I was like, I don't fucking know what I want to do with my life. And then I found something that I felt called to do, and then I was able to make it happen for myself which was like, oh my gosh, this is me 
taking a leap into the unknown, which was kind of a burst for me. And uh, yes, I feel like it took much longer than it should have. But like, <laughs> that was kind of the first of many opportunities that I've gotten to be like, okay, you don't know what's on the other side, but you know that you're not wanting to settle for where you're at now. And so like, you're going to try something new and definitely never would have thought it would have had to do with exercise and health and wellness. And now that it's evolved to that, I'm like, this is fantastic. Yeah, where this was is this where I was life? meant to be. <laughs> totally. And I feel like that's why, like, I feel like often people who get into fitness and wellness, uh, it's like for that reason, it's like so life-changing for, for us that then we're like, where was this? You know, and I just want to tell everybody about it. I feel like that usually is the trajectory I hear people going through. Yeah. And I would love, I know we had talked about this as a question, but like hilarious misconceptions of health, fitness and <laughs> dieting that we had growing up because uh, <laughs> I think we've all, we've all been there, done that. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Where to start? I mean, I definitely was one of those, like a cardio bunny, you know, that you hear those, like I thought that if I just like, ran enough or I remember just like being on the elliptical for like hours at the Vashon Athletic Club you know like doing things like that and not wanting to I totally was one of those people who was like I don't want to lift too much because I don't want to get bulky but I always really enjoyed lifting and like strength training and so it was like a weird cognitive dissonance I guess of like I like doing this but I don't want to look this way and you know everything that I did like I remember just doing like crunches forever in my room <laughs> thinking that would get me abs like I didn't know anything about nutrition you know I didn't know anything about like protein or macronutrients like I remember I would not eat and then I would have like a bunch of cookies you know or like my friends and I were talking the other day about how in high school you would not eat but you would have like a frappuccino and station I didn't have Starbucks in our town but we did have like a coffee stand that had something very similar and I remember just being like I'm so healthy because I'm eating this like blended smoothie thing. And it was just like all sugar. And like, no wonder I was tired and cranky, you know, like I knew nothing about balanced. Like I would, I would read anything in like a magazine. Magazines were big when station I was in high school. Yep. And I would take it as fact. Like I would be like, of course this is true. And I wish that like, I feel like kids now, at least like the high school girls that I coach and I'm around are so aware of diet culture. And I wish that like that was even a term that we had known or like that we had known that it was something that you could fight against <laughs> or like that you don't have to listen to. Cause I very much would. I remember being in like middle school when the Atkins diet was really popular and making my mom buy me low carb yogurt. Mm -hmm. And like, I didn't even know what a carb was. Like I would eat a low carb yogurt and like a bunch of apples, which apples are like packed with carbs. But I was like, this is, I'm being healthy. You know, I just like... I wish that I had known more about nutrition, exercise, and I very much had the mindset, which I also think when you have a teenage metabolism, it's easy to do, but that you could just like exercise away a bad diet or anything that like calories in, calories out were the exact same thing. I didn't know anything about clean eating or, <laughs> you know, abs are made in the kitchen, none of that stuff. Yeah, I think that you definitely brought up something that I <laughs> yeah, tell me. highly relate to the fact that like I got all my information from magazines. So yeah. like for me, Cosmopolitan was like the holy Bible. I, that's like how I learned how to exist in the world, which I would say is probably part of the reason why I was so fucked up. But. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mood. 
<laughs> like looking back, I had a subscription to that. My mom was like, she doesn't want to believe it. She's like, why did I let you have a subscription to that? And I was like, like you probably I were so. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I think it's easy now to be like, why did my parents let me do that? Or as a parent, like, why did I do that? But then I think about how fucking obnoxious teenage girls are. And I'm like, we probably just wore our parents down. Yep. <laughs> I know that that's exactly what I did for yeah. my mom, because especially as the youngest, by the time I rolled around, she's like, I just have no Whatever. energy to fight yeah. it. Just do yeah. what you want to do. do. I know how this is going to go. Just do it. And so I remember like uh, in those magazines, uh, things like Beyonce doing the master cleanse and the cabbage soup diet. And like, I was already dieting in high school and not really understanding why that might be problematic. And I think this was after high school, but I definitely have like done the South beach diet with my mom and different things like that. And so I like, especially like before dances, like school dances, you'd be like in preparation for homecoming or prom, you would freaking diet. Like what the heck? Like Uh, all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's terrible. And then like, also I remember one time I, and mind you, oh my gosh, I still can't believe this. I remember I got really sick and I lost a bunch of weight and my sister was like, oh my gosh, can you just like lick the spoon so (laughs) I can get sick? And I'm like, oh, that's terrible. But then also being like, oh my gosh, I fit into a double zero Abercrombie and Fitch, which mm-hmm. I don't know how that is physically possible. Like that would literally cover my calf right now. <laughs> like just not going to happen. But that there was this, like a lot of my energy and efforts went into making sure that I was eating and doing what I could do to like look a certain way. And I feel like you just brought up a point that like my, I haven't even accessed this part of my brain in so long, but being like not really even obsessed with like appearance but being obsessed with the size Mm -hmm. so like I don't care what I look like as long as I fit into a size blah 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 you know like being so driven by that number and not caring about anything else except for that number I think is like so so real for that point in our life and I remember like to your point about Cosmo I remember reading things like they would have those little blurbs in magazines of like like the Olsen twins I was obsessed with the Olsen twins and it would be like here's Mary Kate drinking uh you know blah 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 latte that's all she eats and I would be like great that's all I eat now too yeah these things have such a power to influence us especially at a younger age when we're super impressionable and we like don't know Like you said, we've talked about in the Untamed book where the girls have always looked outside themselves to try and figure out who they are. Mm. And I think growing up, I know that that was something that had tremendous impact on on how I viewed the world and myself was just like all based on external feedback and what I saw other people doing. So it was like, okay, that person's doing it. So I should do it too. Like not checking in with myself or understanding that that is something that I should be doing. I know. I know. Yeah. And it is, I think to your point, we as teenage girls, and I hope that this is evolving. Like, I feel like our generation and our like little pocket of time wasn't necessarily taught to listen to ourselves or like to trust ourselves. It was very much just like all what is everyone else doing? And you should do that. You should go ahead with that. Like, I feel like, you know, you were making the point earlier about kids these days or so like, you know, gender fluid and really own their own identities. And I feel like that's really encouraged. And sometimes when I reflect on our high school experience, and I feel like I'm really generalizing it, but it was very much like there were all the super traditional high school roles from like movies Mm -hmm. and everybody was expected to fit into like 
oh, you're the cheerleader, you're the jock, you're the this person. Like, it was just a very traditional, boring, small town roles. Yeah, I think that that is exactly what we experienced. And it was like, that's the whole thing of you had to conform to fit the group. You know, there was only like a set amount of groups with which you could be a part of. So it was like, okay, define yourself so you can fit into this group. And there wasn't as much fluidity as I as I feel like I see. And again, maybe I honestly don't have many intergenerational relationships like with younger people. I know you interact with more all the time young people. <laughs> yeah. So I feel like that is encouraging. Not to say that they don't have like a million other things that they have to of struggle course. with. Like, oh, they have it so easy now because everybody accepts everybody. Like, I know that we are a long way from like true acceptance of everyone. But no, I get what you're saying, and I also think just with social media and with the internet now everybody not just teenagers but can find more examples of people that are like them whereas like you know we had the beginnings of MySpace (laughs) you know we didn't really have except for like traditional kind of old school media ways to see examples or to connect with people you know that were like you yeah I think that that's made a huge difference in what you are shown because like again if all I was reading was Cosmopolitan I was literally only showed one version of what it was to be a a woman and b to be beautiful and c to be pleasing like yeah that was like what cosmos stood for and uh, it was very one-sided because that was all just thin white women and that was right. all that I saw and then growing up on Vashon it compounds it because we were a mostly white community and so like mm-hmm. I was never even exposed to people that didn't look like me or at least people that I wasn't trying to look like <laughs> yeah well and even if I don't know if you've done this recently but like anytime I go back and watch one of my favorite movies from like when we were in high school or like around that time period I'm like oh my God, this is so problematic. And you realize like just the messaging that we were getting, like, you know, all all of these things, like the examples we saw in media weren't really any better. Not at all. You know, it was very like, I mean, we had like Clueless is like a big movie from that time period, like Mean Girls, like those were kind of, those are great movies, but that's kind of like the mainstream example that we saw of high school. Yeah, we did not have much variety and we were not exposed to many different things. <laughs> and as we've like, it's become blatantly obvious that like diversity really adds such a beautiful layer of complexity to your life in a really good way and that I feel like I grew up very one-dimensional and only seeing this like one side of what it was like to be human and not realizing that there were all these other experiences out there and for whatever reason I'm really grateful because I had a super adventurous older sister so when she graduated she's like get me as far away from this place as possible and Ended up going to school in Italy, speaking no Italian, had never visited Europe and was just like, I'm going to go to school there. So rad. And so like that ended up being a stepping stone for me to then do that when I graduated. Like, I don't think I would have had the courage to do that. But seeing her do that, I was like, oh, wow. And so I also was like friends with people that all did study abroad and all traveled a lot. And so I don't know. I always have felt grateful that like on Vashon, whoever I got connected to, we all had a passion 
passion for other cultures. And I don't know if that yeah. like stemmed from never being exposed to it. So we're like <laughs> desperately thirsty for we something were all different. I desperate to go do anything else that was not being on an island. Yeah. So it, it, it was a blessing and a curse because at the time it felt very limited, but it ended up being something I think that propelled at least me and the people that I was around to explore different cultures and to try and find more diversity because we're like wait there there's more than what happens on this 13 mile rock there has to be more to life (laughs) (laughs) I know I think I mean my college was not diverse at all but I think a huge part of well I know a huge part of why I chose to go there is it was like a Jesuit institution in eastern Washington like super Catholic and I knew that it was going to be basically completely opposite of our high school experience and I like didn't necessarily want you know I'm not religious I didn't want like all of those aspects of it but I wanted the experience of being in a totally different setting like I just was like I have to meet new people and be like exposed to different things and you know there's a lot of stuff about my school that I didn't like I've talked about it on the podcast before but I do think to your point we were all so desperate to experience literally anything else (laughs) that it did spark this like creative explorer exploration like in all of us Okay, so Stacia, like looking back at high school Stacia to now in your 30s, badass podcaster, TikTok sensation (laughs) Stacia, um, what are some like really, if you had to choose like a few lessons that you've learned that really changed you and evolved you like what are some lessons that you're really glad you've learned since you were a baby we won yes I I actually have one that I was thinking about because growing up my family or I guess I should say my dad was super into his phrases like we had a lot of family mottos growing up and Mm, I love that uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm right take it back take it back Some of them, I think, maybe had an okay intention. Others were pretty terrifying. But (laughs) one of them that I feel like if you spin it in the right way was actually something that was really positive for me because my dad always loved to say like anytime we did something that had a negative consequence, he's like, well, if you're going to be dumb, you better be tough. And like it seems really like heartless. That's such a dumb thing. Yeah, to, to look back on it. But then I was like, you know what? One thing I'm really grateful that that taught me is that I have to be accountable for my actions. So true. Yeah. And I think that that is an extremely valuable lesson. And even though it might have been brought up in a slightly problematic way, that. Uh, the underlying message that I was going to always be accountable for my actions was something that was so important because, I mean, I've seen in different relationships that I've been in what happens when you aren't taught to be responsible for your actions and when somebody is always there to fix every mistake that you made and you really are basically hindering yourself from being able to learn and grow and know that you can make it through anything. So if someone's always there to fix your mistakes or be like, because especially as a parent, you know, you don't want to see your kids suffer. So like 100%. it's going to be your natural inclination to try and fix the situation. But my dad was like, nope, if you're going to be dumb, you better be tough. Like you're going to have to live with the consequences of your actions and I will support you but I'm not going to fix it and make it better. And uh, 
I like, it seemed really tough at the time, but I am really grateful for what that instilled as far as like being accountable. So I'm grateful for that one. I mean, I would say like some of the other ones is like, you mess with the bull, you get the horns. And I'm like, no, I don't like that one or responsibility earns freedom. But anyway, so (laughs) (laughs) just saying they weren't all great, but that was one that like, I feel pretty good about that I've had since childhood. And I think some more of the messages and the lessons that I've learned at like in my 20s that I've done on my own have been things like you are more than your body and that's just something that Mm, yeah as for me that's something that's like really 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 personally hits home because I literally identified every bit of my personality and my worth within my body and so it really has been super transformative for me to understand that my worth lies outside of my body and that my body is something I can take care of, but it's not the only thing that brings me value. And breaking from the shackles of that and what culture and cosmo and society was like uh, hammering into my brain at the time that I only served the purpose of pleasing others with my body and being able to understand that I am so much more than my body is something that I'm really passionate about helping other people understand, whether it be about your weight or your appearance or how you attract a mate, like that these things that you are, you don't need your body to do those things. And so that was something that's probably like the number one. I love that so much. Lesson that I've learned on my own through my own experiences and one that's like really near and dear to my heart. Mm. But I would love to hear some of the lessons you've learned because I know yeah. you've, we've all been through crazy we've all journeys. Been through some shit. Yeah, I think the biggest one I've learned, you know, in the last half of my life since high school is to trust myself. And that's through like a lot of therapy and a lot of self-reflection. But kind of like we were talking about with Untamed, that thing of like girls are taught to look outside of themselves and the older I got, the more I realized, like, I really am not great at, like, truly listening to how I feel about something and what I need. And so just teaching myself to learn how to listen to, you know, my subconscious and the voice in my head has been really powerful. And also just that it's okay to, like, have my own opinion about something and express that. I think, you know, the time that we grew up in, that wasn't necessarily, like, super common for teenage girls or super encouraged. And so I think it's been really empowering to, like, get older and be like, how do I feel about something? And it's really okay to like express that because I think before I was so didn't want to rock the boat, didn't want to offend anybody, thought that was like the right way, you know, to go about things. And that's just an exhausting way to live and you can't ever please everybody. And then I think the second one that's been huge for me, and it's like one of my life mottos is I remember the summer that my mom was really sick. My coach, like the one good coach that I had, Mark Voorhees, he officiated our wedding. Shout out Mark. Um, (laughs) He emailed me and was like this, you know, I know this is really hard right now and this is terrible, but like the strongest steel is forged in the hottest flames. And I have like really held on to that of like, you know, I can do hard things and I can get through hard things. And it's also okay to like choose to do something really hard, you know, like it's, I think before I had maybe been so scared of failure that I would not have even like let myself try something scary or hard. And I think 
allowing myself to do hard things and then be able to reflect back on and be like, yeah, I did that. Like maybe it wasn't perfect, but like I really like to run. I've run a lot of like half marathons. And I remember people would, when I first started doing it, they would be like, what was your time? And I would be like, I don't care what my time was. I just like finished it. And that's a really huge accomplishment to me. So I think things like that were just, that was such an important lesson for me. And I wish that I had, when I was younger, like stepped out of my safety and comfort zone or like you have mentioned before, Stacia, like, oh, I know I can do this well, so I'll do it. You know, like I wish I had let myself step out of that a little bit more, but I'm really glad that I've learned to do that. I think that uh, knowing you as long as I've known you, I've seen you grow and evolve and blossom into this super badass, empowered woman. And it's always very exciting to see. I know it's so funny to think about us like in our little cheerleading uniforms, uh, just being such like goody two shoes versus Uh, where we are now. (laughs) So I'll finish that with, if you could tell yourself one thing, uh, young baby Stacia, just one nugget of advice. If you could go back in time, what would you tell her? Oh man. Big sigh. Does it have to be one? uh... No. If you could tell yourself a few things, what would you tell yourself? Because it's not necessarily like a lot of lessons as opposed to just some affirmations. So part of like my recovery has been figuring out what words Little Stacia like actually needed to hear growing up. Little Stacia. One thing that uh, it was actually really interesting before I share this, I had read something about your love language and I'm part of like a manifestation group that talks about like unblocking different things from your childhood and past trauma and stuff like that and so somebody they had a really unique take on your love language because they're like I don't actually think that's how you experience love I think that if you look into what your love language is you're going to discover an area where you have more work to do on yourself. Interesting. So if you feel like you have this need from a partner, that really that's a need you should be looking to fill yourself because, yeah, and it totally makes sense. Like if you're constantly seeking that validation from a partner to show you that they love you, it's because there's a lack of that within yourself. So I found that super interesting because I was like, oh, this makes sense because my love language is words of affirmation. And like, oh, uh, yep. <laughs> I was like, okay, so that's something that I don't feel like I got enough of growing up. And like, that's how I feel loved is when people encourage me and they say kind things. And that's how I express love to others. Cause that's how I honestly think there probably was a disconnect growing up that I was not, I didn't, even if I was given positive affirmations that there, there wasn't enough. I needed more. They weren't landing. Yeah. (laughs) And so on that note, I feel like for me, what I wish I could have told myself every freaking day was like the affirmations that I wrote down when I was in my weekend in St. Louis working the fourth and fifth step of my program, we kind of did this part where we were like, what did you need to hear as a kid? And for me, It was, uh, you are worthy, you are safe, you are important, you are trustworthy, you are precious and free, you are whole, you are your own best friend, and you are loving, lovable, and loved. 
Wow, chills. (laughs) And so for me, that's like I have that piece of paper from that weekend that I wrote all those down. And it's something that I constantly remind myself of, especially if I'm feeling anxious or overwhelmed. It's usually because that little girl inside is like being like, what the heck's going on? I don't feel safe. I need to be told that like it's going to be okay." And so for me, those are a lot of the things that have helped comfort the little Stacia in me when I start to get overwhelmed with things. Yeah, those are huge. Those are the things that I wish I could tell myself and that I now tell myself to remind myself. Yeah, yeah, so it's fantastic. (laughs) I love that. But what is something you would tell yourself? Um, when I look back on like young me, I was just so anxious all the time and I didn't have the like understanding or the language to even know that it was anxiety I thought that that was just how everybody felt (laughs) which is like oh my god you don't have to live like that and so I think just reflecting on like the general themes of like my life at that time and like the younger version of myself I think the biggest thing that I would say is like you don't have to like just take a deep breath (laughs) you don't have to do everything perfectly and it's okay to ask for help I think I Mm. felt like so much pressure to like be this like good person this like example this leader that I was not great at being like even just in like a class like I don't understand this or I'm feeling really overwhelmed I always felt like I had to be really together and I got a lot of praise on being like really to like put together and really like organized and driven and so I then I felt like I which now is so funny to reflect on. I'm like, Lizzie, no one would have cared if you asked for help. But I, as you know, like a teenager, I really felt like I just had to be that person all the time. And so I think if I could go back, I would just, you know, want, I would try to teach myself how to advocate for myself and like express my emotions better and more frequently. Cause I think that was like, would have been really, really helpful. But I just felt so pressured to like be good and be this person that I just dug myself into this like, whole of anxiety all the time. Yeah. No, I think that that's a good point. And something that I actually am curious, because just as this is going to take us to a completely different place really quickly. Let's talk about it. But I think in Untamed, it kind of brought up this idea, like it's made me think about parenting and how parenting has shifted and changed because I feel like our generation of parents were shown and taught that they had to lead by example in the sense like, everything is perfect. They weren't, they didn't sit you down and be like, so this is where I messed up. This is where I've learned. This is where like, okay, your mom and I got in a fight, but this is what we're doing to resolve it. Like there wasn't a lot of communication, at least in my family, between the parent and the child to show them that it was okay to make mistakes. Yeah. Like we were, I wasn't modeled that very often. And I think that that's why we end up being like hypervigilant about our perfectionism because we're like, oh my gosh, my parents they never have made a mistake. I have to be like that. But really, in reality, if we are having those honest conversations between like a parent and child, they're going to understand that like, oh, I make mistakes every single day. Right. And this is how I come back from them. Yeah. And I do remember like there were a couple like I remember my parents being like, look, we drank in high school. So if you're going (laughs) to drink, we will pick you up. And that just being so like 
oh my God, you did this in high school too? Like that was so refreshing just to know that like my parents had been human. So I think that's a really good point. And even in the last, I think like 10, 15 years, just our understanding of mental health has changed, our awareness. And I think that's why like being a teenager right now would just be so different. And like parents have better resources and better tools Mm -hmm. too. And it's just a lot more normalized. Yeah, I'm going to be very curious. I feel like it would be fun to have a Gen Zer on the podcast at some point because I would love to pick yeah. their brain because I really just had made all these assumptions about Gen Z just based on the fact like, oh my gosh, they have social media. They're, they're attached so to their phones. Yeah. Like, oh my God, right? <laughs> and like, they all look like they're 25, even though they're 16. Like, how, I know. when did they're they learn to so contour? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's so rude. They show up to like practice when I'm coaching them and I'm like, wow, all of your makeup looks way better than mine. And you guys are 15. <laughs> yeah, it's like when I was 15, I was drawing on eyeliner with gel pens. Go away. <laughs> oh my God. I know. It's embarrassing. <laughs> but I really do feel like as I've learned more about that generation that they actually have all these like super interesting qual like it's a fascinating thing to learn more about, like all the ways that positive things have manifested into their life because of how things have changed. So it's something I'm learning more about. Yeah, I have a cool story about this and then we can wrap it up. So for those of you who don't know, if I haven't mentioned it, I coach high school rowing. Well, I did before COVID um, and I have for three years. So for the last like three years, I've been around teenage girls like six days a week. So I feel like I kind of see Gen Z, like I see them in like a very specific setting. But something that happened last year that I thought was so cool is a couple of the girls that I coach came up to me and were like, hey, we want to talk to you. We're feeling really frustrated about some stuff. And Dan, my husband, coaches the boys team. So the like the relationship between the guys and the girls team is just like a little more open because of that. And they We're like, you know, we don't feel like the boys and the girls are being treated fairly. And like, here are some things that the boys are allowed to do just like as a system at this program. And like, here's some things that the girls do. And, you know, when we go to a regatta, there's all of these roles. And they were like, you know, we're noticing that we're the ones that are expected to like really keep everything organized and keep everything together and that the boys just get to like goof around and that's not fair. And I was like, like a bigger message for society, but yes. And I was like, oh my God, if I, like when I was your age, I would not even have had the balls to say, like, I felt like I was very close to my cheerleading coach and I don't think I would have ever had the balls to say that to her. Yeah. I don't think I would have even felt like it was an acceptable thing to bring up. And they just had, like, they were very calm. They clearly had thought out their points. They communicated it very clearly. They had solutions. And I was just like, oh, my God. (laughs) Wow, this is amazing. You guys are, like, this never... You know, and we were able to make some really great change with it. And they talked to like Dan, which I was like, I never would have been able to talk to like a a male coach when I was like 15. But it was just so cool. And I was like, God, that you guys just have all of these resources and this language that we just didn't have when we were their age. So it was really cool to see. And I was like so proud of them. It was just chills. I just got chills. Like, that's yeah. so awesome. That makes that gives me hope. And again, like with everything I see on TikTok, since it's a lot of Gen Z, that also gives me hope because I'm like, these people are freaking ruthless. Oh, yeah. They know what they are not afraid to ask that they get what they want. And I'm like, and Ooh. they call it out immediately, which is like, you know, so refreshing. Like, I feel like. I don't know what young Stacia would have done, but young Lizzie would have let it get to like, 
I would have let it get so bad before I said something and they will see something problematic beginning to happen and be like, this needs to stop immediately. Yeah, like, nope, that's not going to happen. Just shut it down. Cancel. It's so cool. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. It's, they're just like uh, such little badasses. I just love them. Oh, I love that story. That Thank you for sharing that, Lizzie. You're and welcome. Uh, speaking of wrapping it up, I would love to hear your yay for the day. Oh, my yay for the day. I feel like you'll be so proud of this, Stacia, is I've been Ooh. going on a lot of long walks lately and it's just I've been trying to find more time for it to just be outside and be my myself and sometimes I'll listen to music and sometimes I'll listen to a podcast or an audiobook and you know with being stuck at home indefinitely (laughs) I've realized that it's just like it's going on walks by myself has been really huge for my mental health and sometimes I take a dog or two sometimes I go solo but I, I just like it's been making me feel really good. So I really hope to continue to do it when it's not dumping rain. Yes, I know. I was like, for the most part, it seems like we're entering into a season where walks outside are going to be glorious yeah, and beautiful. So, I hope so definitely taking advantage of that, I think is important and realizing yeah. that that's where you get grounded and I walk every single day. So I you know, know you're me. such a good walker. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's such a, I read this thing the other week that really inspired me, but it was like, you know, marketing, like we are told we need to like buy all these things to feel better when really like you can just go for a walk or there's all these things you can do that don't cost any money that can make you feel better in the moment. And I was like, God, I always feel better when I go on a long walk and explore my neighborhood. And it was just great. And I met a couple different dog owners and yeah, it was lovely. So how about you? What's your yay? I love that. So my yay for the day is that we have expanded our circle. And while I am still maintaining a distance from my mom, the other night she had us over for dinner and we actually got to be inside the house. That's so nice. And it was like this big step because like when I came home from New York and I'm gonna let you guys in on a little secret my mom and I hugged so that was like the first time (gasps) hugging I'm reporting you (laughs) I know I haven't hugged my parents in months it's so weird so uh, my mom and I had gone to the silent protest on Vashon and uh, we had been like around so many people and we had been like brushing shoulders I was like you know what like if ever there was a time for a hug it's now and so I just like snuck attack hugged her and uh, my heart yeah it was a it was a very nice moment and then just being able to go to when I say go to her house it was like my childhood house the house I grew up in so I got to like quote unquote go home for the first time since I've been home yeah and uh, so I'm I'm like a huge family person at heart so when I get to be around my family and like do things like have dinner together those are really the moments that fill my life with joy so I was just very appreciative of the family time that I've been getting yeah to have. and it's so it's so weird that we're in this like never-ending quarantine time and that it is like exciting to go inside someone's house or to hug your parent like yeah. these little things it's so weird so, it was very strange. I'm so so it's like, yeah, I was that. like big celebration. Like again, I people might be judging me. I don't know, but I feel like we've been really conscious of like what we've been doing, and uh, it felt like an okay move given how we've yeah. been do interacting with our environment and whatever else that like it was safe to hug so we hugged yeah I mean you're not like <laughs> licking a stranger you know it's like you're hugging your mom and neither yeah. of you see that many people so yes. 
So yeah. it's very happy Aww. for us. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for rating, reviewing, subscribing. And please don't forget our June 2020 book club read is Hood Feminism. We have it linked in the show notes and on our Instagram and on our website. So you have no excuse not to read it if you're interested in joining us. And Stacia, do you want to finish us off? Yes. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. We care about you. Thank you for your support and showing up. And remember that, hey, you got this. Yay. Dun, dun, dun.